said, we're going to dive right into our week two in our sermon series entitled Free. And this week is Worry. And so uh, the very first week, just to kind of recap, I know it's been two weeks. The first week we talked about bitterness. And we talked about the fact that, that there's times in our life that things cause us to be bitter. Uh, there's things that hurt us, things that are painful. Um, uh, somebody said something to us or did something to us or we were harmed in some way. And that we can have that initial pain. We can have that hurt, that shock, that all the things that come with that. But what bitterness is, is bitterness is a root. It's when that anger and that hate and that pain and everything really takes hold of our lives. And the danger in that is that we're no longer just bitter about that one event in our lives. All of a sudden we become bitter about lots of events in our lives. And that root kind of takes place. And so that first week, we talked about what it would look like to really rip up bitterness from the root, to really get rid of it, to let, let that bitterness go, and to be free of bitterness, you know, starting this year. And there's no better place than right now. So this week, we're transitioning. We're going to another thing that I hopefully can, um, can be increasingly free of, and maybe you too, and, and that's the idea of worry. It's being free from worry. Right now, if you find yourself worrying often, raise your hand. If you're, if you, all right, that's good. And, and probably the ones who didn't raise your hand, you were just worried about what people think about you. And, and so we're all in here. We all find ourselves worrying. Uh, growing up as a kid, there was a couple of songs that were out that were kind of catchy. One was Akuna Matata, right? Y'all remember that from the Lanky? And, and that means what? No worries, right? And then Bobby McFerrin, uh, he told us to don't worry, what? Be happy. Timon, Pumbaa, Bobby McFerrin. They can stick it in their ear because no, you just can't do that, right? It's not that easy. It's not, I just can't like, oh, I'm not going to worry about this and all of a sudden I feel better. No, it's not that easy because we find ourselves continually worrying about something in life. A few weeks ago, um, when I thought I was going to preach this sermon the first time, I just kind of threw out there on social media, I, I fired up the old Facebook and I just said, hey, look, what do you find yourself worrying about the most? And you can go back and you can look at that post and you can read all the things. I mean, it was, it, it, it got more responses than any question or anything that I've ever thrown out there on Facebook. Tons of responses. And so I sat down and I tried just to kind of, you know, um, generalize some of it and put them in together because some were very specific. You know, some said I worry about my kids. Others said I worry about my aging parents. And, and both of those came from my family. And, and we have that. And, and so there's things, so, but you can kind of group that all into, you know, family. And so here's what I wanted to do this morning. I want to throw out, these are the top 10 things, according to my Facebook friends, which a lot of them are you guys, you know, top 10. These are things that people find themselves worrying about. Number 10, they worry about change. You know, how is life going to change for me? What's going to happen if I change this job? What's going to happen if this changes or this changes? People find themselves worrying about the changes of life. Number nine, they worry about trivial, trivial things, things about dinner and clothes and and. And, and dirty house or whatever it may be, you find yourself worrying about these trivial things, but they're things that weigh on us. And maybe we even feel a little embarrassed about even mentioning it, but it still doesn't take away the sting of us worrying and the heaviness that we feel on our heart. Number eight, people worry about having enough time. I don't know if I'm going to have enough time for my kids. I don't know if I'm going to have enough time you know, to get this job done. I don't know if I'm going to have enough time for me. Number seven, people worry about failing. What if I fail as a parent? What if I fail at my job? What if I got this promotion and I can't do it? What if I, I fail on this test? Number six, people worry about work. Doing a good job, keeping a job. Number five, people, wor people worry about relationships. 
they worry what other people think about them. They worry about how they're perceived by others. They're, they're worried about messing something up in a relationship and, and maybe that person not liking them or not loving them anymore. Number four, people worry about purpose. What is the purpose of my life? What is the meaning of my life? What is God's will for my life? Number three, people worry about their health. What if I get sick? What if my kids get sick? What if my parents get sick? What if, what, what if we catch some kind of incurable disease? I worry about all of these things. Number two, people worry about finances. Am I going to have enough money? Am I going to be able to pay the next bill that comes in? And the number one thing that most people worry about, according to my unofficial Facebook poll, is family. People worry about their families. They worry about their kids. They worry about their siblings. They worry about their parents. They, they worry about these things. Are they going to be okay? Am I, am I raising them correctly? Have I been raised correctly? You know, all of these things. They worry about family more than anything else. And I, and I know that feeling all too well. You know, a couple of weeks ago, um, Jacob got his license. And he's been 16 since August. Um, and, and, you know, here in North Carolina, you have to have your permit exactly a year before you can get your license. And so because of football last year, he got his permit late, which made him get his driver's license late. And so um, leading up to him getting his license, I don't know if I've ever worried about anything else more in my life than that. I mean, I was really, really worried. And and I was worried for his safety. And, th and then you guys know just um, a, a couple months ago, we had two families in our neighborhood. We live in a little small neighborhood with like 20 homes. And we had two, neighbor two neighbors who their two sons were in a car together and was in a car accident and they both died. And, and so that was heavy on my heart. And, th and those kids weren't doing anything wrong. Somebody had crossed the center line and hit them. And so it wasn't even I was worried about Jacob's driving. I'd dri driven with Jacob a lot. He drives well. I'm worried about what other people, the other drivers. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, I lost sleep over this. And I, and I was just full of angst. And it came time for Jacob to get his license. And I just, I, I dreaded that day. And, then, and we went, and, and he passed, and he did great. And, you know, I was even drilling the instructor. Are you sure he did good? He's like, he did great, you know. And uh, he, was, he was fine. And, and Jacob, he's, he's done great since. But man, I worried about that because it's family. You don't want your family hurt. You don't want to see them hurt mentally or physically, emotionally, any kind of way. You, you want to make sure their family are safe. All of these things is what we worry about. But here's the thing about worry. Worry is actually derived from a German word that means to strangle or to choke out. Did you know that? The word worry, if you go back to its original meaning, means to strangle or to choke out. But that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Because when we worry, how many of you feel like you can't even breathe? You're worrying about something that's all you can think about, and you kind of feel that tightness in your chest. Because worry's there, and that's what the enemy does, is the enemy gives us worry. And it chokes us, and it strangles us. But here's what I've come to realize in my life. The thing that I fear the most the thing that I worry about the most is the thing in my life that I value the most. If I worry about my family more than anything, if I'm fearful of my family, then that's what I value the most. If I worry about finances the most, then that's probably what you value the most. And I'm not saying any of these things are right or wrong. I'm just telling you, if you find the one thing in your life and you can say, this is what I worry about the most, this is what scares me the most, then that is going to be the thing that you value the most. But I've also learned this. 
The thing that you value the most and the thing that you fear the most is the thing that you trust God the least. Think about it. If you truly trusted God with the things that worries you the most, would you really be worrying about them at all? Or would it really be number one on your list? The thing that you worry about the most, the thing that you, that you are most fearful of, at least in my life, and I'm going to go ahead and say probably in all of ours, it's the one area of our life that we trust God the least. Why was I fearful of Jacob getting his license? It's because I no longer had control. He wasn't riding in my car. He wasn't sitting in my back seat. I was the one no longer driving. I trusted what I could do. I trusted, I trusted keeping him safe more than I trusted God keeping him safe. So this morning, we're going to look at what it means to be free from worry. Timothy talked about this in 2 Timothy chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 7. It says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Matthew, Jesus talked about it in, in chapter 6, tw- verse 25. Jesus said, do not what? Worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? So whether it's finances or your job or your marriage or your health or your kids' safety or the future, I can't just stand up here this morning and say, hey, don't worry about it. God's got it. And you're all going to be like, oh, well, why didn't you tell us that earlier? No, because we get that, right? Like We get that. We understand that, that there is a God and we're not them. Hopefully you understand that. But just simply standing up here and saying, look, don't worry. We're going to walk out and be like, but I am worried. I am worried about my family. I am worried about, uh, about all of these things. So what do we do in that? I think for us, we need to look to someone in the scriptures that, that, that had a lot to worry about. And that was Paul. And when you read the book of Ephesians, of, I mean Philippians, you're, you're going to see Paul in some situations where there was shipwrecks and snake bites and floggings and he almost died and he's, he's in prison. And then, and then all of a sudden in Philippians chapter 4, we find that he's not only in prison, but he's facing execution. If there was anybody in this world that, had, uh, that, that should have been worried, it should have been him. His life was coming to an end. He felt pretty certain of that. And then he writes this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Let me put it in layman's terms. What Paul was writing there was this. We don't have to worry about what's going to happen when we know who's in charge. We don't have to worry about what's going to happen when we know who's in charge. Paul understood this. In the midst of his shipwrecks and snake bites and arrest and flogging and imprisonment and facing execution, you don't really read anything, any kind of worry in his voice as he's writing these letters. Because he's like, you know what, whatever happens, I know who's in charge. I cannot be in charge of this situation. Only God can be. So how do we get to that point? Because again, we can read that scripture and say, well, that's good for Paul, but I'm not Paul. You're right, you're not. You're actually a little better off. 
But you're not in prison, and you're not snake bit, and you're not facing execution. You're better off because you have the scriptures, and you have the stories, and you have the lessons of Paul and Jesus and, and all the writers. We're better off because we know more than Paul ever would who's in charge. So if you're taking notes this morning, here we go. How do we stop the stranglehold of worry? How do we stop the stranglehold of worry? Number one, I will do what God asked me to do. I will do what God asked me to do. The book of James chapter 1 says this, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That's so good. Do not merely listen to the word, so do you deceive yourselves. Do what it says. See, often we read scripture, we, we'll, we'll stand up here and we'll sing worship songs, and, and Nathan picked out some great songs this morning about being free from fear and free from worry. And, and I stood in the front row and I could hear your voices, and everybody was singing. It was like we were acknowledging, like, like this is it. But it's not enough. It's not enough just to come in here on Sundays and to sing songs about, about living this fearless life. It's not enough just to sit here and say, oh, I recognize God is in control, but then walk out the door and take all the control back. I'm going to do what God asked me to do. And if God says in, in James chapter 1, don't just listen to my word. Don't just read the scriptures. Don't just, don't just sing and listen to the worship music. Don't just listen to my word, do what it says. What do you think I need to be doing? Doing what it says, right? It's pretty straightforward and it's pretty simple. There's nothing hidden here. There's no hidden code. There's nothing. We don't need a decoder ring. There's nothing like that. It is there. God is saying, look, just, just don't listen, but go out and be active in your faith. Go out and do something. Do what I'm telling you to do. Live your life like I am in charge and not you. Paul writes again in Philippians 4, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So right there, he's telling Paul, saying, look, why are you stinking thinking, right? Why are you focusing on all the negative? Why are you focusing on all the things that you're worried about, all the things that scare you in your life? Why don't you put your mind on what is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable? Think about those things instead. And whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Paul got it just like James got it. It's not enough just to hear it. It's not enough just to read it. It's not enough just to sing about it. That there's something inside of us that has to actually be doers of the word. That it's not enough to even just think about these things. To think about you know, what is true and noble and right and pure. We've got to go out and actually live that way. Whatever you've learned, whatever you received, whatever you've heard or seen in me, put it into practice. Practice what you preach. And practice what you know. If we want to break that stranglehold of worry, the first thing that we have to do is we have to do what God asks us to do. We have to ask. We just have to do it. He's telling us we do it. Jacob, I'll... I think this is your day, Jacob. I'm keep kind of sharing stories about you. Um, you want to come up? I can sit you here and we can all, uh, no? All right. Um, last year, uh, Jacob, 
decided he wanted to, he, you know, in between football and, and, and golf season at the high school, he decided he wanted to wrestle, so he, he wrestled. And so he would go out there and wrestle, and, and this is the first time I'd ever really been exposed to, like, high school wrestling environment and type stuff. And, and going and sitting all day long at these wrestling matches just to see, like, your son wrestle once or twice or, or whatever. And so Beth and I would go, and we'd sit there, and we'd watch these wrestling matches. And, and whether it was Jacob or his team or some other team wrestling, you know, you had two boys that were there, a boy and a girl, and they, they were there wrestling, and they were doing moves and doing all this kind of stuff. And you had these coaches that were kind of, like, walking around the mat, kind of, and they were yelling and like commands like all right move your head here do this do that you know and they were telling them all of these things that they needed to do and i'm i'm thinking even as a parent like i'd be down there and i'd be like who's he talking to me or him like like i wouldn't even like there's so much going on i don't even know if through adrenaline if anything if the boys can even hear their coaches but the coaches see the moves the coach can see the hold he can see the stranglehold he can see the move that's on the kid. He can see the, the thing that's about to happen, that's about to cause that kid to get pinned. And that coach is yelling out commands. And he's saying, do this, roll over here, grab his ankle here. And he's yelling at all of these things. And as I was thinking about that this week, I was like, that is exactly what Paul is saying. That is what God is saying. God's like looking down and he can see worry having that stranglehold on us. And he's yelling at us from the distance, just do this, turn here, go here, fight this, like do something. The worst thing that you could do in wrestling is just kind of go limp or just stay there. Because then you're going to get beat immediately. It's about fighting back, it's about pushing back, it's about doing the things that God asks you to do. Why Think about the things that cause us worry and fear and all the lies that the enemy puts in our head. Why not think about the things that are pure and true and from God? And why not just think about it? Why don't we just go out and do what he asks us to do? So number one, I will do what asked me to do. God asked me to do. Number two, I will give God what I cannot do. I will give him what I can. I will do what I can, and I'm going to give him what I can. Again, Philippians, Paul writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Peter writes in 1 Peter, Cast all your anxiety on Him, because He cares for you. Every single one of us in here have been in that situation where there's something that we're legitimately worried or scared about that we have no control over. And no matter what we do, no matter what we say, it's not necessarily going to change the outcome of that situation. So what do we do? What the enemy wants you to do is he wants us to feel hopeless. Well, there's no hope. Mike, if you can't control it, then it's hopeless. And he's true in one thing. If I try to control it, it is hopeless. But what if I allow God to control it? Then is it hopeless? Can I heal my loved ones? Or can God heal my loved ones? Can I protect my kids? Or can God protect my kids? Can I control my future? Or can I allow God to control my future? 
And can I worry about what may change? Or can I trust the God that orchestrates the change? See, there's a lot that we can do. We can fight back. We can push back. We can think about the things that are holy that God wants us to think on, not of the things that scare us, not of the fears, not believing the lies. We can think about the things of God, and we can move forward with that, doing our best to break that stranglehold of worry. But you're going to get to a point where, where you can't go any farther. And at that point, God's saying, then trust me with the rest. Trust me with your kids. Trust me with your spouse. Trust me with your health. Trust me with your job situation, with your bills. Like, trust me in this. Cast all your anxiety, all of your worries on me. And I promise, you're not going to understand it. You're not going to get it. But I'm going to give you a a peace like you've never felt before. The first thing we need to do is we need to be willing to do what God asks us to do. And we need to give him what we cannot do. And the third and the last thing, and this sounds churchy, but it's true. No matter what happens, I'm going to trust him. No matter what happens, I'm going to trust him. Matthew writes, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. See, the problem is we're good at giving God our worries and our problems. The hard part is we don't let Him keep them, we take them back. We come in here on Sundays, or we sit and we read our Bible sometime during the week, or maybe you're in a small group, or wherever you may be, and you're like, all right, God, take this situation. Take this health concern, or take this situation with my kids, or, or my marriage, or my job. Take it, God. You, you just take it, and you, you deal with it. And then before we know it, it's right back in our hands again. I know, God, I know I told you that I wanted you to handle it, but I, I, thought, of, I, I thought of a good idea. Let me try this. And the cool thing about God is he's like, all right, then. You can keep trying all you want. I'm not going to force you to give me the things that you worry about. But if you really want to give them to me, I will take them. No matter what happens, I'm going to trust God. I've sat with husbands whose marriages are falling apart, maybe by their own demise and choices they made or, or maybe... Choices that their spouse made. And our prayer was heal this marriage. Put this marriage back together. And it didn't happen. I've sat with families who have had loved ones that have been sick and dying. And you pray for one more day or one more week or one more year. You just give us some more time with them. And they had no more time with them. I've sat with parents. They had kids that incredibly rebellious, making really poor life decisions. The kids bolt and they go and they're bouncing around from house to house or street to street and making just crazy, insane choices. And it's killing the parents. And we pray, 
do something to bring that child home, to bring them back to a point that they know you. And I know for some of those parents, it's been years, and they're still praying that prayer. Kid ain't back yet. Life ain't back to normal yet. And it's in those situations that the enemy wants us to question God. It's in those situations that the enemy wants to convince us that God doesn't care about what you're worried about. God doesn't care about what you're scared of. And so you have every right to be worried. You have every right to be scared. And you have every right to take control of this situation. But that's not what scriptures tell us to do. In fact, again, in Philippians 4, Paul writes, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you have no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. This is Paul. He's writing this letter, and he's saying, look, I know that you're worried for me. I know that you care about me. I know you're concerned that I'm in prison and I'm facing execution. But guess what? I'm not worried about these things. Like, even if this thing doesn't work out and they execute me tomorrow, I'm still going to trust God. And Paul says this, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. He says, I've learned the secret. Like I've, it's, it's taken me a long time, but I get it now. I've had a lot of money. I've had no money. I've had a lot of food. I've had no food. I've been free and in charge, and now I'm in prison. And I've learned the secret of what it means to be content. That I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I can do everything through Christ who gives me my strength. He will meet all my needs because He is all I need. The problem is when we feel like all we need is that new job, then we worry about losing that job. The problem is when we worry about our own bodies and our health, then we worry about losing our bodies and our health. The problem is when we worry about family and losing them or, or any of the other things that we read off earlier, when all our fears and our worries are about losing that thing, that's where we're going to put our trust. That's where we're going to put our energy. And God is just simply saying, trust me with it. Trust me with your kids. Trust me with your job. Trust me with your health. Just trust me. And it's about learning just to be content and having that peace no matter where I'm at in life. Because God is still the God. When I had everything, God was God. When I had nothing, God was still God. I will do what I can. I will give him what I can't. And I will trust him no matter what happens. That's not the gospel of Michael. That's God's gospel. If you want to break the stranglehold of worry, if you want to be free from worry and fear this year, or at least making those steps, it starts there. I'm going to do what I can. 
I'm going to give him what I can. And I'm going to trust him with whatever happens. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, um, we understand that worry is so ingrained in our, in our lives. What we think about who we are. It's hard to imagine a day that is truly worry-free. It's hard to imagine a day that there's not something in our life that scares us. And maybe in this world we'll never have a life like that. But whenever worry starts to creep in, whenever fear starts to creep in, whenever that stranglehold starts to take its roots in our soul, Lord, I pray that we cling to your scriptures, we cling to your word. We think about the things that, is, that are the truth, that are noble, that are pure. That God, that we do what we can to break that hold of worry. By thinking about it, by acting out of love, by serving others, God, we can break that hold. God, when we're at that point, we understand that there's nothing else we can do. Our mind is set on you. We, we, we have honestly tried and done everything that we feel like you have asked us to do. And I pray, God, that we, with open hands, give what we can't handle to you. And God, no matter the outcome, no matter if kids come home, or bodies are healed, or marriages are healed, or bills are paid, that no matter what happens, Lord, that we don't stop trusting you. We are your most precious. We are your most wonderful creation. We are adopted into your family. We are your sons and daughters. And just as we care about our family, just as we care about our sons and daughters, our siblings, our parents, our friends, God, that doesn't even scratch the surface of how much you care for us as we are your family and you call us friends. Let us do what we can, give you what we can't, and trust you with the outcome. And may the peace that passes all understanding, and may that perfect content life be lived out every day in ours. In your holy name we pray. Amen.